it's obviously very frustrating, uh, especially coming up that short. But, you know, I think Coach Way hit on the locker room. We've accomplished so much this year, and we banded together, you know, as a brotherhood, you know, this year. So it's obviously frustrating, very frustrating um, to come up this short. But that doesn't take away anything that we've accomplished this year and, you know, all the success that we've had this year. There's Devin Lloyd at the podium. Rose Bowl post game after Ohio State comes from behind and went 48-45. The defense able to force two punts on the first two possessions. Turnovers on either side of halftime. But in between those and after those, well, it's pretty much a parade to the end zone there for Ohio State. Through the air, yeah. I mean, they held Henderson in check, relatively speaking. Uh, but through the air, yeah. Now, I've seen Utah, Joe Williams run for 335 yards on that field, and I see Trout throw for 500-plus yards on that field. It's crazy. And and it wasn't about uh, – and Utah, they didn't really rush the ball that well themselves, no. all things considered. I mean, we obsessed over Ohio State's rushing defense. That didn't really matter. They ran it really well for three quarters, but when it mattered in the fourth, they couldn't. I guess you can argue Ohio State loaded up. To stop it once the quarterback change happened. The Utes went for over 200 yards on the ground, but they didn't yeah, get yards I mean, when it mattered in the fourth 62 quarter. 62 of those yards was on a fourth and one. It was, yeah. So, somewhat of a fluke. Well, then they you take that off, they still had 160 other yards. But in the fourth quarter, I think they ran for about 30, which obviously wasn't enough. And they clearly felt they had to throw the ball to the end zone. They weren't going to run it there on that last drive, which is why they left time on the clock. But through the air is where the yards were because Ohio State was loaded up to stop the run. They fooled him on uh, that one running play when he kept it on fourth down and ran for the first down. I guess the, the path to victory would have been take some more time off, mm-hmm. leave the Buckeyes with... 30 seconds or so, but then you would have had to score a touchdown and get a two points. Yes, that would have been the thing to not throw the second pass to Kincaid, but they knew they had the matchup and they figured, well, the kid just committed the penalty. They'll probably, he'll probably lay off this time. And sure enough, they beat him and got the score, but that's real quick. And that's dangerous. Is it? <laughs> yeah, it's very dangerous. Well, Kyle addressed it. He said, how much strategic, you know, you do that, you put even more pressure on an inexperienced quarterback. Hey, let's run the ball on purpose on first and second down. No, we're only going to pick up a yard or two and put this young quarterback in third and seven when they know he's going to throw. So they didn't do that. Yeah, I don't but know that I would have done it with rising either. That left about two minutes for Ohio State to go down the field. And you felt like it was going to happen. You just felt like this thing's over. And then they get a big kickoff return, too, that shortens that the field. Help. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like they should have let him score in the kickoff, get the ball back, see if you can score, go, yes. go for two. Uh, that, was, that was what I was telling you last hour. Whatever low percentage play you wanted, because you're playing the worst cards, well, can you go for an onside kick and see if you can recover that? I mean, your odds are low, 10 or 15% at best. Let him score. Get the ball back, see if you can go down and There's no score. way Whittingham is going to acknowledge that and I do know. that. I, I mean, that's just against everything he stands for. We'll just and, let and, you have something. And, let, and, and letting him do that and so that you just put the inexperienced quarterback out there. Hey, that was one awesome drive. Now do it again against the clock. They're all low percentage moves. Probably none of them work. 
maybe just send the house every time and see if you can come up with some type of uh, strip sack fumble tip or pass something yeah. something along those lines it's hard for me to criticize because I don't know anything was going to work beyond the out of the ordinary and I guess that could have score in the third quarter possibly happen try a long field goal when you went for it on fourth down and got stopped that would have been like a 48 yard field goal something like that when uh, they threw to Keithy yeah, and he yeah, got yeah. stopped a yard short mm-hmm. yeah they didn't have real uh, a lot of confidence in their field goal kicking most no. of the season with good reason this wasn't a banner special teams. In fact, it was a disaster. Except for Covey. Yeah. Their special teams were far below par, particularly to where they've been in recent years. Well, when they're the, having Ray Guy and Luke Rose awards <laughs> left yeah. and right. The uh, third quarter, the drop punt, I mean, obviously that gave Ohio State a short field and an easy and, score. And they but they scored on a long field. I know. They were scoring. <laughs> they, they were going 70 yards anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was bad. It looked, from my vantage point, it looked like he just dropped the ball yeah. uh, on that situation. I, but but Stroud probably would have just gone over 600 yards passing if you'd punted the ball. That's like the that. way it seemed to be at that point. You never know. He could have made a, a, a bad had, pass. He had thrown the interception on the drive And that before. was an underthrown ball. Yeah. But he was just brilliant. That was as fine a quarterback showing as I've seen in a good long while. Well, I think Michigan State was watching that going, that's that's the guy who carved us up. He doesn't have all his receivers, but he's still getting it done. Well, he had his best statistical receiver. Yep. And, and obviously Marvin he had Harrison Jr. Fine. Yeah, I mean, he made plays. I never, I never really worried about that. Because they're four- and five-star guys. So the question is, are they ready for the well, ball? Well, but I was more worried about the quarterback. Ohio State ought to have guys who can run around and catch the ball. Turns out they do. That, that's what we're asking. This right. kid's a Heisman Trophy finalist for it, Yeah, he clearly was dominant. Yeah. Well, you asked Kyle on the podium after the game, is this the best quarterback you faced since Herbert? And he thought about it for about two seconds. He's like, mm, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. And Herbert is all world, too. Love the guy. And I, nobody between then and now comes close. Right. Well, the throw Herbert makes to the back corner to beat the Utes. Mm-hmm. Now, he wasn't that good He's every down at that point in his career, but you could already see it. Yeah. But that throw looks a lot like the touchdown that puts Ohio State in front of 45-38. You know? Yeah, and some of those guys had decent coverage. He was just putting it in the corner on the front uh, yeah. shoulder that it was either the touchdown or incomplete. Right. The coverage wasn't the issue there. The coverage was the issue in the second sure. quarter when they're giving up the back-to-back 50-yard touchdowns. And some of it certainly was that, but it was yeah. both. If you had good coverage, sometimes it didn't matter. Now, yeah. if you had crappy coverage, you got no shot. But even when you had decent coverage, he still was just dropping it left and right, right in there. It was so impressive. I can see why all those four- and five-star quarterbacks said, we're out of here. <laughs> We're not getting out on the field unless we want to sit and wait, and nobody wants to wait. Because it seems to me he's a redshirt freshman that next year he's gone. Right? And what are you going to do? What do you, there's no need to, to play. You don't need to start three years. You will have start two seasons unless you get hurt or something. But you'll be making and, all the throws. Yeah. You're throwing the You're ball 60, 30 yards down the field. It's absolutely brilliant. And he's a kookamonga kid. I was joking with Ben and... Jake, when I was on their uh, show on Friday, I said, I'm saying, he's a kookamonga kid. Isn't that fun to say? Say it. Say it with me. Kookamonga kid. And and Jake's a little stiff sometimes. Ben got into it. <laughs> and so 
He said, and I said, and what is he? He's a Cucamonga kid. I mean, that's like right down the street, basically. Just boom, right down. I mean, there's like five freeways you can take to get there. Uh, the 210 is right outside the Rose Bowl, but it's boom, right down there. They did. And it's right, It's so close, and, and he's going to Ohio State. That's, what, that's what's changed the balance of power in college football. In the old days, it was the running backs and the linemen and all that. It wasn't the quarterbacks. And now they have it all. Yes, and Alabama... Clemson and Ohio State, they're stealing kids from, from California, California and, to, and they're superstars. Yeah. Not just game manager type players, they're big time players. Yeah, NFL guys. Yes, and this kid, they've Ohio State's put a bunch of quarterbacks in the NFL and he's going to be better than every one of them and maybe I'm just blowing it up off their one game, but I couldn't been more well, impressed. No, you're not blowing up off one, you're blowing up off two because you watched him carve up Michigan State too. Oh, I, yeah, and you just look at his statistics. Uh, I only watched the first half of that game. That's all you needed to see. <laughs> and here I watched four quarters. It was just absolutely brilliant, his touch. If he had to dump it over a linebacker 30 yards downfield, no problem. If he had to throw it on a rope 40 yards, no problem. He had to throw the corner fade, no problem. And he was a, a big-time passer. He wasn't looking to take off. You know, he can move around a little bit, but he didn't need to. It's the best to. combination. He's mobile, but he's yeah, not a runner. Just, I can't say enough about him, man. I love the kid as a player. Local kid. Klyakov, I saw him on the sidelines. I'm like saying, dude, I agree with you, man. Larry Scott, you'd ask him a question and everything would be great. They would acknowledge no thing crumbling around you. Klyakov at the Pac-12 uh, pre-game uh, press conference with the title game. He says, we got to keep our kids here, and it is a big problem. Yeah, for sure it is. I don't know if you can you can address it, and you got to acknowledge it. Whether you can do it or not remains to be seen. But th- this and, and during the week, the day, the, the, two days before, he said, well, going to UC Los Angeles and SC games are boring. Kind of boring because the fans aren't into it. Because, you know, he doesn't remember the Pete Carroll thing when it was the sexiest thing in the world in Los Angeles and everybody Snoop Dogg and all of his buddies wanted to be on the sidelines. There were no Rams. There were no Raiders. There were no Chargers now. And it was about SC and they were on top of the world and everybody who was anybody who had an interest wanted to be seen on the sidelines. And I think they had to make a rule to stop that because they would show one celebrity after another. Well, you're going back 15 years the kid's running around basically barely out of diapers. So he didn't experience that. What he's seen here is SC going to be hot sometimes, but not really, not to the level, certainly not to the level of the obsession that is Ohio State. There's like three or four programs maybe that have SEC passion that aren't in the SEC, and Ohio State is obviously one of them. And so he's going back there. How do you dissuade somebody that thing sells itself from going there and i don't know you can dissuade somebody if he's interested in pick which thing where football is bigger than life and go there and now that they're throwing the ball they've got it all and that's what makes them i don't know that it's ever going to change at least in the short term from being the same teams every single year coming down to one did you win this game to go or didn't you win and, you know, they didn't win against Michigan, so they're out. And then Michigan gets blown away anyway. So against uh, uh, Georgia, I, I assume Ohio State would have given them a better game, but we'll never know. 
So that that really scares me when they can pick off the level of talent of quarterback like a Stroud because he looked as crazy as it may sound. I've been to a I couldn't even count all the college football games I've been to, but I don't know that I've ever seen a better quarterback performance. Knowing that I have recency bias, but I'm trying to go back. This was just incredible. He was Steph Curry put on a show here later in the night at the college level. He put the show on that was similar to what Steph Curry does at the pro level in a different sport. Well, for looking for a better performance, as good as he was against the Utes, he was better against Michigan State. They didn't need two punts to warm up against Michigan State. Hit the ground running. Hit the air running. That too. (laughs) So, tip your hat. Way to go. But for me, if I'm a youth this morning, and I get it, and maybe it's because I'm getting softer as I get older, but I get the feeling of pride for your football team. Because what they had to overcome with the deaths of the players and all that stuff was just incredible. And and I wrote about it and put it they published it yesterday and I got some uh, tons of blowback. Uh yeah, they didn't beat a team outside of their crappy conference. I mean that's that's not where it's at for me this morning. It's about Is that BYU fan saying that? Mm-hmm. Oh I well, assume so. They went five and zero against the Pac twelve too. I mean they lost to Baylor, they beat Virginia. That was gonna come down to who had the ball last until Virginia's well, Virginia quarterback was got a hurt. Six and six team. Yeah. What did he freaking do? Yeah. In a pretty pretty <laughs> average league itself. Yeah, and you beat a 6-6 six and six team from two time zones away that had to come to your your stadium. That lost their quarterback so. with the game on the line. Apparently they lost their quarterback with the game on the line. Yes. Uh, so, good good for you. But it wasn't. A, it's, that's not what it's about. When I evaluate Utah's season, it, there's a natural order of life. And having 20, 22-year-olds, 18-year-olds, and, and it had been probably 24-year-old, whoop de do having them dealing with two deaths in the spans of 10 months, that's not the natural order of life. Your grandparents are supposed to die when they're in, hopefully in their 80s and maybe even 90s if you can get there. That, that's the natural order. It's sad anytime anybody dies, but at least you can deal with it better. But when an 18, 19-year-old and a 20, 21-year-old die... And you have to deal with that. It's devastating. Yeah. And you are still able to find some focus. And, you know, you talk about I'm not in that locker room and I can't look into someone's heart like that. And then that motivated you to what degree. I'm not sure, but they say it did. But, you know, how do you deal with that? And and they had to deal. Not everybody on the team was a close personal friend of those two young men. I get that. But there's you know somebody on the team who was, and you have associations, and they're your teammates, and you had to deal with it. That That's where this morning to me, it's about a celebration of the Utah football program having one heck of a run. It came up three points short, and they didn't beat anybody out of the crappy Pac-12. None of that matters to me this morning. That That's then I thought about it driving home, and I had a big, long drive home yesterday. And so I thought about it, and, and that's the, I, got, I got to be true to what I think, and then that's what I think. So It's not just the local homer take, although we are your local homers. Hi, how you doing? But if you follow social media and look at national personalities, and I think it was impacted by the fact that the, the playoff semifinals were – such lopsided games. They were just so bad. They weren't entertaining. They were turn them off kind of games. Oh, absolutely. They were both. It, it, before In the second quarter of both games, you knew who was going to win. 
you absolutely knew. So to get this game that was crazy and to watch people who have no buy-in to either school be wildly entertained by the game, that's what you're hoping for. And that's, you know, New Year's Day is a celebration of college football with the games all day long. And you hope the games all day long are that entertaining. And the festival was pretty wild in its own right. So I don't think you're, you're coloring outside the lines here. That, that was the deal for people who had no buy-in. And obviously, you fans have the buy-in because they're more into the story and they're into the 30-year climb to get to this moment. And Yeah, you won the Pac-12. Let's not forget that. You won the Pac-12 in your 11th year. Still plenty of schools that don't or haven't. Haven't done it yet. Or haven't done it in virtually everyone's lifetime or yeah. 60 years, whatever it might be. That's a long time. And you got to go, and this is your third time winning the thing Washington, as far as the South. Yeah. Washington State's coming up on 20 years, and UCLA's coming up on 25, and Arizona's over 40. And Ohio, Oregon State's over 50, and Cal, it's been over 60 years. Yeah, and the, the, the guy from the Los Angeles Times wrote about how uh, SC's chasing Utah. Pretty good position to be in. I believe there were 11 other teams in the conference that would say, you get to the goal to the Rose Bowl, but you lose by three, you're going to take it. I'm pretty sure they say yes. So... A lot to be happy about. And if and I, I don't feel proud for them because I'm not a Ute. I didn't grow up here. But if you have any association to that program, I get where you do. You feel proud. You feel a sense of pride in your football program. And I saw that a lot on social media. To me, you know, especially if you're like 50, 60 years old, and that's kind of hokey on some 18-year-old makes you feel proud. But... And you don't even know the guy. But if that's what you feel, I think it's legitimate. Because you have that association and that connection to your university. And that's way cool. And if you went... I, I, would, I would love to hear from somebody who went to the Rose Bowl who had a bad experience Saturday. Because I don't think there was anybody. You know, the food lines were long. I get all that. And so there was some of that going on. Uh, and the merchandising lines were long. I get, I get that. And they were incredibly long as I watched it. Well, that's, but, but you got 87,000 I was going to say, that's part, that's part <laughs> of the problem when you have 80% of the crowd. Yeah. Well, that's, 100% goes to eat. But, and, you know, probably the beer was overpriced if you were so inclined to do that. But that's... That's the way it is there, and it's probably never going to change on the on the Rose Bowl on a when it's it was virtually sold out. There may have been scattering of seats here and there, but other than that, the experience, the venue, and and it's like I said, for those of you who have gone down for regular season, there's no comparison, absolutely none. Now I've been both many times over, so I spoke from experience. And you could just feel it. No, nobody is there except for a few hardcore tailgaters four and five hours ahead of time where there were tens of thousands of folks there four and five hours ahead of time. And the crowds just continued to flow as the parade got over. It was a two-hour parade. 
and seeing that bomber thing fly over the parade <laughs> and then over the stadium, looking like Batman up there in the yeah. sky. And that is just so incredible. LeVar Burton was the Grand Marshal. LeVar Burton. He's standing like five. I was five feet away from LeVar Burton. Nice. Yeah. How cool is that? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> LeVar came out for the coin toss, too. And then in the parade, a lot of horses and a lot of big cheers for the pooper scoopers behind him. Nice. <laughs> Got to keep Colo- Colorado Boulevard pristine. And the road apples. The high school bands and the college bands. I mean, there's, there's nothing like it. There's, because the parade is a significant part of the game day experience. And there's nothing, there's literally nothing that compares to that. I know of no other parade the morning of the game. There's probably one, but I don't know of it. And like the Fiesta Bowl parade, I'd been to that because I lived there and I went there when the Utes were there. But it's a few days before down Central Avenue in Phoenix. And, you know, it's a, it's a ways away from either Glendale, where the game's now, or Tempe. Here, it's literally within walking distance. It's a decent walk, but it's a, it, you can walk it. And, and thousands of people did walk it. And you're walking through those beautiful old home neighborhoods and, you know, centuries-old trees. It's just, it is the most unique and pleasant experience you're going to have. It's almost like you don't even need your team to win. I suppose if you get blown out 45 nothing, that's another story. But that's not what happened. They scored the game-winning points with nine seconds to go. So you got 99.9% of your money's worth. And that's why you'd fans today, they're ecstatic over the experience. Every single one of them was there. I, I guarantee you, you cannot find one who had a bad experience at the Rose Bowl. Not one. I'm, I promise you, I guarantee it. Not one. That's the dare, people. Yeah. <laughs> now we're just going to have someone come on and lie about it. That's how awesome it was. They can't, but I could sniff out on You can't BS a BSer. Never could, never will. You got your BS and BSing, so there yeah. you go. Yes, and I, I'm the king of BSing. Everybody knows that by now. All right, DJ and PK, you'd fans, you want to hop on the air, 855-340-ZONE, your Rose Bowl experiences. We will uh, hear about them coming up. And we got a Cougar fan weighing in on a take that probably has some truth to it. Most Cougar fans weighing in are, are griping. But some truth to it. We'll get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The new zone lineup is here with the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10, followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6, live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Just just a lot to take in. Um, It's starting to hit me finally, you know. I don't want to take my pads off. (laughs) Um, Just proud of this team and this program, this university. I, I just have a great love for the University of Utah. And Sorry. What you can't see there is Devin Lloyd reaches over with his left hand, 
the fish, gives him bones, and then starts talking. So take one for the team there so Britton can compose himself. Teammates right to the end. A couple of the guys who are leaving, Kyle Winningham pointing out 72 of the 85 scholarship players, freshmen and sophomore coming back. They're going to be young again next year. He kind of laughed ironically when he said that. You also couldn't see me dabbing my eyes with the tissue. Gotten getting a little smoky in there? No, I was crying. Yep. It was an emotional scene. I feel for those guys. We've all been there. The last time you did something like that, my wife always says that they make a big deal of the first time. Got to make a deal of the last time. Yeah. The first time you send a kid to school. What about the last time the kid goes out to high school? Well, you probably break out to Martinelli. <laughs> different, different form of celebration. <laughs> not necessarily after the ringer you've been through, uh, not necessarily a sentimentality moment. Uh, but uh, sure, I can relate to that. I think I told the story uh, with Scotty and Hands on the post game. I played one year of baseball outside of high school. Uh, and after that, it, uh, I remember the last game. And I knew this was it, unless we had some incredible rally. This was it. <laughs> I just didn't want it to end. It's heartbreaking. Walking back to the locker room at Monta Vista High after the last high school basketball game. I hear you. Especially if you know that you're done. He oh, doesn't yeah. know that he's done. No, he doesn't. Most of us do. Yeah, an overwhelming percentage know that that's it. You're not going anywhere. But he looked like an NFL return guy taking that kickoff back. Yeah. The change of direction on that kick has got to impress people. The acceleration to pull away from two guys. And they're Ohio State guys. I don't know what their 40 times are, but I assume they're pretty fast or they wouldn't have been on Ohio State's kickoff team. Yes, obviously. That that was an electrifying play. And he's had so many electrifying moments. And now that he's done, I think BYU fans even will root for him to have success and make an NFL roster on multiple levels. He represented your faith, if that's what you're interested in, uh, at a high level. He's an underdog. He's a small dude. He makes fun of himself. He did in the post game. Five two one twenty. Yeah, talking about that. Uh, he is available uh, for interviews. Gives you great answers. I, I just don't know how you don't root for that kid going forward. He's one of your own in many different ways. Utah kid. Utah County kid. Blah blah blah. And he's done. He can't terrorize you anymore. <laughs> And so, with that in mind, you should root for him to have an NFL future. It would be absolutely stunning if he can go out and do that. And so, we'll see and wish him the best of luck and an amazing experience. And it made me appreciate it even more. You know, we we get all caught up on this. And the winning and losing is just so important at all. But to me, too, it's about the experiences. And it, it would have been great if they would have won, and I'm sure he would have loved it if they would have won. But at the same time, uh, looking back, he's going to have such fond memories. And, and that, that's, that's what it's about. And all the youth fans who went down there, 60,000 of you, you'll have a fond memory. And next time, there'll be 70,000. Because so many people said, I, oh, I, gonna talk I had it the up. time of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And it was great. And just like I said, the weather was going to be great. It wasn't great leading up to it. But on Friday, it was okay. Saturday was okay. And, and it's, I, know, I know some people. I know people who went to the Charger game. I know people who went to Universal Studios yesterday. 
and they're, they they you know some back people went back Sunday to, night or you, coming back today. You know, some people went back to Disneyland. Yeah, and so that's that's a lot of fun. So you had the time of your lives, and that's what it's about. Ultimately, that's what it's about, and that's what they got out of it. We got some people weighing in. It is uh, mostly Ute fans saying that they had a great time. Scott says, what a wild game. That was a 12-round heavyweight fight, and Ohio State landed the last blow. Sure. Oh, yeah, and the game was crazy. It was a crazy game. So many different things. Well, the second quarter with so many touchdowns being scored so quickly. A one-play touchdown drive, a kickoff return for a score, a two-play touchdown drive. Yeah, we were laughing, taking bets on how many plays were going to be needed to score. Three, four plays, yep. five plays. Yeah, and the youth scored on four right after that. Yeah. Because that was a fourth down run. I did think for a, a minute there, the 14 to nothing, we got another Oregon thing going on here? Are they going to smoke these guys? You're not alone. Yeah. It did cross my mind when they did that. Because even on the first drive when they punted, they moved the ball, and Ohio State didn't. Yeah. I was actually wondering, because I remembered that the Sugar Bowl started 21 nothing Utah before Alabama got their legs under them and started to fight back in the game. I thought, and they can't go up 21 nothing on Ohio State, too. I didn't, I didn't think so. I didn't think it was going to happen. But for a minute there, it did cross my mind are we going to see a three straight blowouts by the Utes? Wow. I can't believe this, that it could possibly happen. It turned out I was right. But it did cross my mind. Is this is what we're seeing. DJ and PK, let's go to the phones. 855-340-ZONE. Jake, good morning. Gentlemen, good morning. Hi, Jake. Hey, look, I was down at both the Fiesta Bowl and the, and the Sugar Bowl, both big, both Big wins for the youth, but I'm telling you, sitting there in this stadium, perfect weather, maybe a tinge cold, but not too bad, perfect weather. I look around, 65,000, 70,000 youth fans, whatever it was, you see the mountains behind the stadium, and that B2 bomber flew over. Listen, I'm 40 years old, and I had to hold back the tears. It was a spectacular experience, and I do not care in the least that we lost. Yes, I would have preferred to win, but this, the, the feeling of being there, it was surreal. You look around, you see Utah in one end zone, you see Ohio freaking state in the other end zone, and it's like, man, look at us. And we belonged on that field with that team. We went toe-to-toe with those guys. They're super talented. They're incredible. One of the best offensive teams in the country, if not the best. And we made it a ball game. And I'm telling you what, the experience was next level. Nothing like you can imagine. PK, you're always right, as you know, and you were right again. I have been down to UCLA games, and I've been down in that stadium when there's 20,000 there. And this experience is night and day difference. It was spectacular. It was surreal. It was amazing, gentlemen. It was, it was incredible. Thanks for the call, Jake. Especially the PK's right part. (laughs) (laughs) Play that back. But you go there for so many games. The first time I was there was for the first USC-UCLA game, because for a long time they were both in the Coliseum, and then UCLA moved over to the Rose Bowl. And it was packed, and the game went down to the last play, and it was a great game. And the next time I was there was for a game in September with San Diego State at UCLA. There were 45,000 there. I'm like, something's missing. (laughs) Half the crowd brings uh, 99% of the energy. 
<laughs> 45,000 didn't do it. And it was a bad game. UCLA won big. And just it's the idea different. that you're playing in the actual Rose Bowl game. game yeah. You asked earlier if I feel vindicated. I can see why, now that I've thought about it, because I honestly never thought about it until you said it, so I've had about an hour to think about it. I can see why you asked that question. Because people always tell you you're wrong, even when you're right. And now people are like, yeah, that really was awesome. The only thing they didn't get was they didn't get to hug after the win the way you were hugging anonymous people. Or maybe, did you hug after the Rose Bowl or is that after you beat USC at the Coliseum? I might be confusing you. That was after the Coliseum. Okay. At the Rose Bowl, I couldn't move. I was in shock. I was so numb. Wow. They ASU. won the Rose but Bowl. It was, but it was similar. You're, you're early on, yeah. and ASU's on the biggest stage, and they beat yeah. Michigan just the way the caller says, man, it said Utah in one end and Ohio State in the other. Yeah, 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 yeah. We See, belong. We're on the big stage. And you do. I didn't feel vindicated because I knew, and I'd been preaching this for 10 years since they got into the conference, I knew that I was 100% right. Mm-hmm. And I knew that... Y- it's not like people argued with me that, no, no, it can't be. The Sugar Bowl will be better, blah, 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 blah. I knew they didn't know, so I couldn't hold it against them. And I knew once they went and saw what I had been talking about. They realized how obviously true it was. Yes. So it's not like it was a... a conflict. They just didn't know. How could they know? They thought they knew because they'd been to the Fiesta. They'd been to the Sugar. They'd been to the Rose Bowl to see them play a regular season game. But they hadn't been there. Right. So they didn't know what they didn't know. So there was no vindication for me. I feel pleased this morning. I feel like the Wizard of Oz, basically. (laughs) I told you this is the way it would be. Yeah. You may have believed it, may you may not have believed it, but once you went there and saw that day-long experience, now you know. Now we're in the club. <laughs> in a way they couldn't be before. No. I went the, maybe you did too, the first time, no, you went to Arizona. The first time that Utah went to the uh, Rose Bowl Stadium was for a non-conference game with UCLA before they got in the league. And they played there, I think it was Kyle's second year, 2006, I think it was a season opener. And they uh, they got beat, but there were it was a season opener, and this is when UCLA still drew. I think there were like sixty seven thousand or something there. And I remember standing in the stadium there, going, "Well, this is way." B- I'm glad it's not that dreary San Diego State thing I was at. It's still not USC UCLA, and obviously it isn't the Rose Bowl. But there were I think nine or ten thousand U fans who went down there, and they sat them in a corner of the stadium, and uh, and they had a pie shape just. Deep red, which against UCLA's blue and gold really popped. But this was times what? The crowd must have been times six or se- six or seven times bigger. Totally different deal because the game has its own magic. On full display. You weren't there on a rainy day for a 30-point beating. The day has its own experience. you got to mm-hmm. include the parade. The parade early, yeah. yeah. All right, DJ and PK, 855-340-ZONE. Back to the phones. And Jeff, Jeff, good morning. Hi, how are you? Good, Good Jeff. Um, I, I have a story to tell you. Okay. After the game, we, me and my family went down to where the players came out and all that. And I'm telling you, my son, that just his birthday was on December 31st, and he's now 12. And he loved every minute of it because he got to meet 
Britton Covey after the game and got Britton Covey's autograph. And, you know, for a player that just lost one of their toughest games ever in his career, for to sign, take the minute and sign a football for a kid, that's a, that's a price and memorable experience that you will never forget. And I won't ever forget that. So I've got to tell you, being at the Rose Bowl was just one of the most awesomest things ever. There you so, go. I just want to let you guys know that. Thanks for the call. Thanks yeah. for the call. Oh, yeah, and if you're 12 years old, Britton Covey, uh, who's what 36 now, uh, that, that's you're just going to look up to that, and it's going to be a, tre- uh, uh, a something you'll treasure. I mean, he scores two touchdowns in the game. He has probably the game's most electrifying play. Uh, just this surge of energy that went through that stadium. When he's doing what he did, his balance on that play. Yeah, I mean, he, the guy can shift like that. I mean, anybody can run at that level. Not anybody, but you know, to be able to, it was Barry Sanders ish to move your body like that and still being able to maintain your balance, your speed. Wow, I mean, that's two big cuts, yeah. pinball into your own guy, <laughs> but don't go down. That would have wrecked everything. <laughs> yeah, and then the foot race. That might be the single greatest individual play in Utah football history. Well, didn't it remind you of the punt return to USC, except this time he got to the end mm-hmm. zone? Mm-hmm. And that one, they caught him inside the five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to see him break away and increase the distance once he was able to uh, get to about, about, about the Ohio State's 40 and get himself ready to go and see him pull away, just <laughs> remarkable. You know, it's funny that coaches... Sometimes they they just push your button, and not just coaches, but you know any personality doesn't even have to be sports for that matter. And, and some people just push your buttons, and for whatever reason, Nick Saban annoys me sometimes, but he doesn't annoy me nearly as much as he annoys a lot of other people. But for whatever reason, Ryan Day bugs me. Ryan Day? I don't know why, but he just when he's talking, it's just like this joyless, humorless. Just, I don't know what it is. But at halftime, and I don't know if you caught this because you're at the game and usually they have the broadcast on, but you can't always hear it. And they're asking at halftime, and he's talking about all the things they have to get better, and our kickoff coverage team has to get better. And I'm thinking, who's the bonehead who kicked the ball to Britton Covey in the first place? The kicker. And who told the kicker to kick it deep? Who authorized it? Yes. Urban Meyer. <laughs> Ryan's got Irvin on the headset. <laughs> Irvin is remote control. Like Phil Knight, <laughs> still controlling the Ohio State football program. Like, come on, you're this gazillion dollar coach. That's fan obvious. That's the kind of stuff you ought to be able to figure out if you're just sitting in row 28 watching the game. Oh, I shouldn't kick it to that guy. You got a gazillion dollar staff and all the money in the world and all the analysts in the world, and you kick the ball to Britton Covey. I wouldn't blame the eleven guys running down the field. Here's a mirror, dude. Come on. Oh yeah, but they did it on the last play of the game. They did. They started trying to kick it shorter. They did, and uh, so they could be on top of him when he got the ball, and he yeah. didn't have a chance to get a running start and pick a find a lane and all that stuff. Right, right. right. They did do that. So there was a little strategy involved there, right. obviously. All right, DJ and PK, we still got uh, more reaction coming from fans, some from youth, some from Cougars and Aggies as well. We will get to that coming up. DJ and PK, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, will join us at 9 o'clock. So if you want to get your football takes in, 855-340-ZONE, we can get you next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. 
This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. You know I was babysat until eighth grade. Dolores Arnold used to babysit me every day after school. And Dolores? Her husband. Yeah. Like he got like 220 pound eighth grade hands. Would you Can we not focus on that? You're like, hey Dolores. Hi Hans. I think it's funny the thought of an eighth grade Hans Olsen probably pushing two bills. <laughs> sitting in and being babysat. You guys let me know when you're done so I can finish my story. Tell us more about Dolores. Anyways, her husband Don liked MASH. Sitting next to Don on the couch watching MASH. Hey (laughs) Don, can I borrow your shaver? (laughs) Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Look at Covey, weaving his way, look out, Britton Covey accelerates, can they run him down? No, they can't, Britton Covey, yet another house call as a returner. This one in the Rose Bowl, 97 yards, what a memory in his final game at Utah. There's your Chevy Strong play of the game, know it today, unrivaled. On uh, 450, right before they go to the Jazz pregame at 5 o'clock, you can win fabulous prizes. It is time right now to hear from more of you, 855-340-ZONE. We've also got other people weighing in. Uh, There's a a little bit of bitterness, mostly, PK. It's people reveling in a great Rose Bowl experience. Right. And Rob, from an Aggie fan, he says they represented Utah well. They just didn't have quite enough. That was a fun team to watch. Now, Wade says, blah, ha, ha, 700 yards against Ohio State's second string. Oh, shut up. With and Aaron guys. says, conference of champions, 0-5, referencing the bowl record. The Big 12 sounds really good. Yeah, in your big season, you beat all those teams in a crappy year. And lost to the Big 12 <laughs> team you played. Yeah, you get a little Oklahoma State, and you got a lot of work to do. And they know it. I've talked to them. They do have. A they lot have of work no to illusions. Do. No, absolutely they know, not. No, they they've seen film and they know how yeah. to match up with Baylor and they know how to match up with Oklahoma State. Yeah. And right now, not good. We all saw that on the field with Baylor. They figured it out watching Oklahoma State tape. Yeah, and that's okay though. I mean, you that's what you want. You want to be tested. You want to have your program grow. You'll get better recruits and get some guys in your program for sure. So, but you're gonna have your work cut out for you. And they know it. Those coaches know it. They, it's, it's almost like some of them have been prepping me so that I would say it. Yeah. So uh, you're not asleep at the wheel. And make sure fans understand the task at hand. And I get it. But you already knew because you watched the Baylor game. Oh, yeah, yeah. It that, occurred that, to but you. I, but Oklahoma State just, is a great football program. Let's not be confusing it with and, that at all. And Phil Knight, the only difference is their guy uh, died. But he pumped money into it, and they bought their way right to the top. There's a lot of parallels with Oregon. And nevertheless, they're really good. Mm-hmm. And Baylor's good. and They've got some good football programs. That, that's going to be a much more difficult test than what they've had. And good. That's what they want. This is, there was a no-brainer to go in it, and now they're ready to go. And this is, this is, this is going to be... Something for them to to have to get better at, yeah, and and yeah, the, the defense Utah it sucked, too many yards, too much offense by Ohio State. All that stuff is true, but I also think too, 
this is the best offense they've played by far. Yes, and it wasn't close. It's not debatable. So, and in Utah, you know, we can, that, the thing, that's what bugs me about, oh, well, San, uh, Ohio State sent uh, their second team. You have to put a cornerback, a running back, a cornerback. And like, well, that doesn't count. Okay, so well, Ohio State's missing five guys, but we the, have to put a corner, a running back, a corner? In the run-up to the game, we knew Ohio State was going to be shorthanded. We didn't know how shorthanded the Utes were going to be. I didn't. I didn't find out until day of, probably about three hours before the Bernard was going to be in the secondary. Yeah, and I still, even with that in mind, I didn't think he was going to get that much play. I knew he was going to be in there, but I didn't think that it was going to be basically every play. I, even though I was told ahead of time, I still didn't know that. You thought like he's the nickelback, or he's going to be spelling guys rotating. Yeah, through. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what. That's what <laughs> As I thought. To you're the guy. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. Go cover this dude who already ran uh, over a thousand yards receiver with a Heisman finalist quarterback throwing him the ball. That's a recipe for disaster. Well, guess what? It was a disaster. disaster. Five hundred seventy-three <laughs> yards, six touchdowns, and forty-eight points later. Yeah. All right, Scott's on the line. Scott, good morning. You're on the air with DJ and PK. All right, DJ and PK, you Southern California lovers. Yeah. What is up with the Rose Bowl? What a dump. <laughs> it's, it's 100 years old, we dude. Both, yeah, but we, <laughs> we haven't talked about the worst part of the stadium. The worst part of the stadium, to me, without question, is those tunnels you have to take to get in. I have gone in those tunnels in a crowd. I don't really have a claustrophobia problem, but I sure did in that tunnel. Didn't like it. Can't believe when they've redone it that that hasn't been changed. It's magical. Hey, it's what not if a we dump. have a, a lightning delay. Where do you go? Everybody into the tunnel. <laughs> what if you have an earthquake? Yeah. What, what if planes fly into the stadium? I mean, where are you going with this? That's how you're going to live your life? What if we have a lightning delay on January 1st? Well, if we have a lightning delay, we, we're, we're out there. How many times have they had a lightning delay on January 1st? Hey, where's the parking lot? Where's the parking lot at the freaking golf course? Yeah, what more do you want? You, you finally get to drive the fairway. Yeah, really. And and if they have five inches of rain, it's a muddy, crappy mess. Yeah, they did have. They had historic rains. You're right. You got me there. They literally had the rainiest time ever during a 48 year period by two days. Yep, they had them. Yep, they did. And, don't and blame the, the Rose Bowl people. Blame God. Blame the uh, blame climate the control and all that. Come on, <laughs> man. Don't freaking blame the Rose Bowl. What are you thinking? Upgrade it. Up yours. Make it better. <laughs> but I did love the whole weekend. So, <laughs> except for wanting to tear down the historic stadium. Except for, except for one thing. It's on a national historic site. You can't mess with it. No, it's against the law. And, and besides, football in it. If you if you've ever been to a brand new dome, domes are a weird place to play football. It's too antiseptic. It's it's antiseptic. Yes. Yeah, nice. Thank you. <laughs> the Alamo Bowl. It felt like it was in a convention center. I don't know what was going on there. It was weird. The salt palace. There's no electricity in the bathrooms. The, uh, the play clock doesn't work. They come out in the third quarter and they start off at fourteen fifty six. 
That's what makes it even better because you're going back 100 plus years. Brandy Chastain took off her shirt in that very venue and you want it changed? Oh, my goodness. Let's just pick out something defaulting about the Mona Lisa while you're at it. I didn't like the lighting in that it's room. It's too small. <laughs> the Mona Lisa's too small. <laughs> yeah, but didn't you think it should have been dramatic in that room? And you go in there, it's a little like a second grade elementary school. Yeah, it, it is. It was weird. Oh, brother. I was disappointed. All right, thanks for the call, Scott. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 12.80 The Zone. More of you hitting us up on Twitter, David DJ James. You're getting, despite Scott and his negativity towards... The National Historic An Site. iconic is, venue. That's what's that called charm. <laughs> that is the Rose Bowl. In that setting? Come on. We're getting a ton of people saying just what an awesome experience it was. If you can say that after a loss, then it must have really been awesome. I mean, if you win, then it's easy to say. Oh, that was great. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's where I think people should go. Go towards the experience of getting there early in the day. And going to the parade, if you went, not everybody went, but if you did go, experiencing that, it's legendary, man. And you played a legendary game. It's been going on forever. When people list a handful of great games, that one will be in there. That one's there. Obviously, the USC-Texas game with Mitch Young running to the corner of the end zone to win it, that's got to be up there. Georgia and Oklahoma's double overtime thing has got to be up there. Don't talk about Ohio State beating the Devils in the final second. If you do, I'm going to punch you. (laughs) I'll give you a pass. Everybody's (laughs) in a good mood. Man, this is like golf. You're using your mulligan on the first tee. You're using a mulligan here on uh, January 3rd. See, I think that if you... If you were in that situation, if you're the Sun Devils and you were literally a couple of seconds away from winning the national title, okay. But what's Utah going to drop down to 13th, maybe? Then 11 and 3 or 10 and 4. Yeah, the. As opposed to undefeated. The ramification of the loss was minimal. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joins us next. Jazz lost to the Warriors on Saturday. How good is Golden State? And Jazz off on a five-game road trip. It starts tonight in New Orleans. Tip-off at 6 o'clock. Pre-game show at 5 here on The Zone. Steve Cleveland coming up next. Stay with us.